Appalachia. Nobody truly knows where the word came from, but it seems that most folks have their own idea of what it is. Everything from run-down mobile homes full of meth heads to beautiful mountaintop views. The Appalachian Mountains are the oldest mountains in the world and once stood over 30,000 feet into the air. They span the eastern North America from Canada through 14 states all the way to Louisiana. Hello, I'm Larry Bentley. I was born and raised in these very mountains. I, for one, know that they're a source of unending tales and adventure. I also know that the views of an Appalachian as to what happens outside these mountains is a bit different than one might think. Join me as uh, we take a journey through these old Appalachian mountains and beyond. I think you'll be surprised at how it goes. Welcome to Season 3 of Appalachian Murder, Mystery, and Legend. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How you doing, my good friends? It's great to be back for season three. Thank you all so much for listening and making all this possible. When I started out, I never dreamed it would go this long or that you, my good friends, would be interested enough in what I was doing to keep listening. So thank you so much again. Now let's get back after it. Since I touched on some Appalachian superstitions in the last episode of season two, I thought you might find it interesting to hear a bit more on that. It's not like we're hurting for enough superstitions to make an entire episode because when I'm done, if you're not from the Appalachian Mountains, you're probably not going to believe some of them. Let me assure you that every one of them are still alive and well today. I was told these very things growing up and witnessed them firsthand. So settle back in there a spell and let me tell you about some Appalachian superstitions that are still alive and well today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. superstitions you may have heard called mountain folklore, old sayings, or just plain old superstitions. These were passed down by my great-grandfather who was born in 1875 or by my grandparents who were all born and raised in the Appalachian Mountains of Southwest Virginia. So first off, you should always return a pocket knife to whoever you borrowed it from in the same way it was handed to you. In other words, if it was open when you got it, hand it back the same way. Breaking this code will get you one of two things. Bad luck for seven years, or what I've heard most often is that the person lending the blade will lose their knife. 
and a good pocket knife is still yet a prized possession to a mountaineer. I've literally seen folks get downright irritated and snap at another person who they had lended it back, lended it to when they brought it back in the wrong position. So the first time I experienced this was with my grandpa when I was a little feller. He handed me his knife so I could cut an old weed out of the flower bed. And I thought I'd be nice and close it for him before I handed it back. And I can say only now that I didn't do that again. I experienced this next one for the first time with my aunt who lived back in the hills of Montgomery County, Virginia. We used to go down there at her place about once a month to have Sunday dinner. Yes, you bet your hindquarters it was good. So after the visit, we went to leave and instead of going out the front door that we entered through, we kids went out the back door and started walking down the path to go home. You'd have thought with, that we'd have stolen a sack of gold or something by the way that my aunt and my mother both yelled at us to get back up there and go out the right door. We didn't know that everybody was supposed to leave through the same door that they came in through, uh, or some tragedy might befall us all. So, not wanting any evil to attack me no more than already does, I made sure that I never left through the wrong door again. I know you're thinking that we'd probably ran in and out of every door in the house all day long, and you'd be pretty much right about that, but the best I can figure from what I've seen is that it only counts when you leave the house to go home. Next is the eating of black-eyed peas or collard greens with hog jowl or neck bone on New Year's Day. I don't know if y'all ever heard it called pop liquor or pop dickens, but that's the term I'm familiar with. They always covered all the bases by eating greens and black-eyed peas with hog jowl and neck bone. If you don't do this, it could mean that you're going to be on relief by the end of the year. Relief is an Appalachian term for welfare or maybe the poorhouse. I wouldn't risk it, folks. Besides, uh, that's some good eating right there. of a family member on New Year's Day could wash that poor family member right out of life. I know that my mother wouldn't touch any laundry on New Year's Day. And this is one that I like to observe myself because I'm too busy eating pot liquor to do any laundry anyway. Both my grandmothers observed this one too. I'm surprised that there wasn't people marching around demanding laundry mats be closed on New Year's Day to save the lives of people's loved ones because they may not know about this dreadful curse. Here's one that I've also heard my entire life. Women shouldn't do any canning or gardening while on their period. My great-grandpa was such a stickler about that that he just didn't want any one of the female persuasion to go in the garden at all. I guess he wanted to err on the side of safety instead of asking the embarrassing question, which was probably too taboo in his time to even mention. But this could always, this could cost you your entire crop if you failed to adhere to this. Speaking of gardening, always plant your crops under the full moon. This is if you actually intend to harvest anything. Failure to do so could wipe out your whole crop or at least cut your harvest into a small portion of what it should have been. 
that's another one that I've heard my whole life and for the most part have observed. Mostly because when I got around to getting the seeds in the ground, it was during the full moon anyway. Uh, I don't know if it really makes a difference, but you're going to into an uphill battle or an argument with any Appalachian farmer that says different. That's a discussion you might want to avoid if you're ever around these parts. Here's another one that my grandpa was all over. Don't walk under a ladder if you find yourself though and through some oversight or loss of consciousness or other outstanding condition to be passing under one. Don't turn around and walk out normally. You should back out in order to undo the rut that you're going to be in. Now, this is one that I've always thought to be common sense, because you wouldn't want some kind of a tool to be dropped on your head. And depending on which tool it might be, that might get real ugly. Another one I've heard is both good and bad mojo associated with it. Don't let anybody sweep under your feet, unless one of two things will happen. Notice I didn't say it could happen. If you're the poor unfortunate one to have your feet swept under, you may as well either do one of two things, and that's go by the funeral home and lay on down because you're good and dead, or drop by the courthouse and pick up a marriage license because you'll need one in fairly short order. You're either going to drop over in any minute or be the next one to get married. I suppose I've heard the going to be married next a bit more than going to the cemetery to be buried. Uh, however, you can't, you cut it, you're, you know, when you get to be my age, you don't hesitate to lift up my feet for the lovely and gracious Mrs. Bentley to sweep under them, or does she when I'm giving the broom a good workout? I guess once you hit a certain age, death and marriage just cease to scare you anymore. I'll be right back. You're listening to Appalachian Murder Mystery and Legend with Larry Bentley. looking to give somebody a gift, never give that somebody a set of knives, especially don't give them to newlyweds. It'll cut love completely out of their lives and one may end up uh, uh, pushing up daisies. That one actually makes a bit of sense. Newlyweds spend the first months adjusting to each other and that adjustment just might go south and to the point of knife play being introduced into the mix and well, that ain't good for anybody. Never repay salt that you borrowed that could call down the thunder from, uh, in the form of a horrible misfortune to outright death even, maybe. Also, if you spill salt, throw a pinch over your left shoulder so you won't have to deal with any of that bad luck pouncing on you and dragging you around like a rag doll until it's tired of doing so. Apparently, salt is a pretty powerful spice and one not to be trifled with. Everybody that had a hand in raising me following this one to a fault. About every time my mother cooked, I would go get the broom and stand by. It was our little running joke. No, I didn't sweep under her feet. Wouldn't want to make everything worse. Another one states that if a bad storm is coming, put a two-edged axe into a stump with the head facing into the storm to ensure that the storm goes around you. I remember back in 1969 when Hurricane Camille came through the mountains where we live. That one nearly washed Nelson County completely off the map. If you remember the old TV show called The Waltons, you recognize Nelson County as their home. 
I remember being at my grandparents' house because they heard that the storm was coming and wanted everybody together at their house for safety. That storm dumped 27 inches of rain all over the mountains as it came through. Just before the storm started, my grandma asked my grandpa if he'd put the axe in the stump. He replied, yes, son, I did. That was about the time that the wind kicked up, tearing a cloud apart and dumping Camille all over us. We lost power and water was nearly running up on the porch of the house that was three feet off the ground. I remember just as it was all starting up, looking out the window and seeing that axe sure enough sticking in that old stump. You could see it when lightning hit lit up the sky. After all of that, you'd think, uh, well, the old axe in the stump was just a bunch of dog squeeze, but no, sir. It seems that my grandpa hadn't used the double-handed axe as he should have. He stuck the old single-handed axe in the stump and brought on Hurricane Camille, a little something in his life that he never lived down. I remember visiting them in the 1980s, and it was raining. My grandma would be ribbing him about sticking the wrong stump in the axe. <laughs> that had to be why it was raining, of course. Heck, Grandpa's <clears throat> been gone, I think, now for uh, a good many years, and I reckon he still had lived it down, our family. But uh, you may now be wondering when the appropriate time to go out and stick the axe in the stump to be. Well, if uh, the cows are laying down in a group or smoke's coming from the chimney and heads toward the ground or birds are standing close together on a line or a limb and especially if leaves are turning upside down, grab that axe and hit the stump with it because it's fixing to rain. Next in line is never let a pregnant woman see a dead or badly injured person or animal. This will lead to the baby having a birthmark. This is another one that I have a little background with. During my grandma's pregnancy with my dad, the house that she and my grandpa lived in had a septic system. As we all know, maple trees are a septic system for its nightmare. Their septic system became clogged with maple roots. The solution was to dig up the clogged line, open up the drain tile, and cut the roots out. That's exactly what my grandpa was doing when my grandma was watching him. As he was cutting at those roots, his knife slipped and he hacked into his arm. The blood, of course, flew everywhere and the trip to the hospital for stitches came later. Later that year, my dad was born with a birthmark on his upper lip that was attributed to that very incident. I don't know if that was what caused it, but I can say that I've heard doctors warn expected mothers of, of pretty much the same thing. First, don't cut your baby's hair for their, for their first birthday. I, for one, don't know where that one came from, but I had pictures of my dad, who to this day has thick, curly hair. In those pictures, his hair was all the way down his back. Unlike me, I was he was born with super hair that grows as fast as you can cut it. Well, I look like I might be uh, suffering from some kind of hair-eating disease. Yeah, it's eating the middle out of it, right, right in the middle. But... I can obviously say that my grandparents also observed that one. And second, your baby should fall off the bed for the first birthday. I don't mean you don't have to catch them before they hit the floor. It also don't mean that you don't use the 
phrase your mama must have dropped you on your head while you're ribbing folks either. This one came from the fact that by a year old, your little feller should be moving around enough to fall off the bed. If they're not, there just might be a problem or something wrong. The third thing you got to do is to run a chicken over your baby to keep it from getting the chicken pox. Not sure how nowadays as to what vaccines and stuff they've got to, but I do remember my grandma reminded my mother to run a chicken over my youngest brother just after he was born. I've never seen it done, but I would think that to run a chicken over a baby, they meant passing chicken over the baby like you're doing some kind of voodoo ritual or something. Now, I can imagine what a child services agent would think walking in on something like that. Next, you should hang a horseshoe over a door with the open side up to keep all your good luck from running out. Never hang it with the open side down or you're doomed. My grandparents believed in this one. There was a horseshoe over almost every door in the house. They had plain old horseshoes, gold-plated ones, and one that looked like silver all through the house. Of course, for some reason, the horseshoe didn't always stave off diseases or sickness. Maybe that wasn't the kind of luck they were talking about or something. So it was always a good idea for women to wear a buckeye and a bra or men to keep one in the pocket to hold rheumatism at bay. My grandmother always kept one in her ever-present apron pocket and said that was good enough. If you're walking with somebody else along the road, trail or street or what have you, and walk up on a tree or a post in the ground or any type of obstacle, you both have to pass on the same side of this obstacle or it will break up your relationship with that person. There might be something to this one because my grandparents strictly adhered to it and they were together for over 70 years. Always open the nearest window when somebody's dying and cover all the mirrors in the room so that your soul can safely head on out. As I've mentioned in the past, I worked with the rescue squad in my hometown for many years year, and this was nearly always done in nursing homes and even in some hospital rooms when somebody passed on. It's really a pretty common thing in the mountains. One nurse told me about a nursing home resident passing away in a room where they failed to open a window. She said that the new resident was complaining about the person standing over their bed keeping them awake at night. So if you're ever caught in that situation, be sure to open those windows, folks. Can't hurt anything. That'll do it for today. If you enjoyed the podcast, please throw me a few stars and a review on whatever podcatcher you happen to be listening on. Join us on Facebook at Appalachian Murder Mystery and Legend Podcast Group where we can talk about anything Appalachian or about anything else you want to talk about. I'll see you next time for another Appalachian Murder Mystery or Legend. I'll see you then.